This week has been a very interesting week for me. I have been literally surrounded by death this week. Um, I, as I shared with you earlier, was in the hospital for the better part of the week with a family. And I've also been interacting with the other family that lost their, fo- their, 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 their husband. And now, yesterday, we went to the memorial service and heard the, the honoring through the, the Navy folks that came and, and presented the, the taps and the presenting of the flag. And talking with these different family members, reflecting with them on the lives of their loved one has caused me over the last 48 hours or so to be very introspective in myself and just to look at me. And the question that comes up is when it's my time, when I'm the one that everyone else is talking about and reflecting over and mourning the loss of, what will they say? Now, I, I, I know what things people will probably say, at least I hope that they'll say, but the reality is, what will they say? And I was, I was reflecting on that, and I was praying and asking the Lord, what should I say to you guys this morning? And God brought me to a specific scripture, and I read it, and you know, you've, you've probably done this yourself, Read a book, read a scripture, uh, you've read it a million times, but all of a sudden, this time, those words are neon lights flashing going, read me, read me, read me. Your heart is burning, your, your chest is pounding, and you're like, oh my word, and there's just something rich and deep and full there, and it's like God the Holy Spirit is just calling your attention to that. Well, that happened with me as I was trying to prepare for this sermon, having spent this week dealing with introspection over my own life. and What would people say about me if it was my time? And then God led me on a little journey of scripture after scripture after scripture. And I was just going to give you the list. And I will, in just a moment, give you the list. And for those of you that are note takers, I promise you the list will be up long enough for you to write everything down. This first slide is going to give you the list. It will not be up a long time. Okay, but at the end, there will be the list and it'll stay up there so you can write them all down. But I want you to do this. It was important, I felt, that you not just not only heard the actual words from Scripture, but you saw them as you heard them. And so I have all of the Scripture references that God brought me through um, up on the screen. And we're going to just go through them screen by screen by screen. You don't have to read them out loud. I'll do the reading. You just follow along, and then at the end of this list of slides, there will be the list of scriptures. So here's the list of scriptures that God brought me through. Philippians 1, Proverbs 3, Matthew 5, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, Acts 17, Romans 13, and then finally Colossians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 28. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Stop. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Wow. 
Do so so that whatever you come, whether I come and see you or I'm absent and hear about you, I will know that you're standing firm in one spirit. Striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. And are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but your salvation and this is God's doing. There's so much there. There is so much there and I wish that we had time this morning to just peel it apart. But here are the highlights. We are called to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And the way that you do that is you stand firm in one spirit with fellow believers. You strive side by side with fellow believers having one mind for the faith of the gospel. And you do not allow yourself to be intimidated by your opponents. I heard testimony even today of someone who tried to share the gospel in an appropriate setting, in an appropriate way, and they were, they were met with a steely, nasty stare from the other person, and they just pulled back. Now, they weren't pulling back because they were scared by that person, but they realized it isn't going anywhere. So we need to cut back off until they can receive it. And that shows wisdom to me. Okay? There's, the, there's the, the idea that you don't cast your pearls before swine. Okay? There is an appropriate time to speak the truth and there's an appropriate time to keep your mouth shut. It is not the appropriate time when you're sitting at a memorial service for someone and you say, wow, they didn't even say a prayer at this memorial service. Was he even a Christian? That would be horrible for someone to say at a memorial service. But I've heard those things from Christians say things like that at a memorial. So that's ridiculous. If you're that worried about somebody's salvation, you should have been there before they put, got put in the hospital. Amen. <laughs> you should have been in their living room when they, were having, when they were still alive and well and having coffee and say, hey, have you ever thought about spiritual things? Let me share with you some of the things I've learned. Amen. That's what it means to be a Christian and to spread the gospel. It's not sitting at their graveside going, oh, do you people know Jesus? Because if you don't know Jesus, you're going to end up just like them. Okay? I'm going to move on. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. Living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Trusting in God with everything that's in you. Don't, don't depend on your own understanding or insight. Just in absolutely everything, put God first. Let Him be the center. Let Him be the middle of everything. And He will make your, straight, make your paths straight. He will guide you. Matthew 5, 6, 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all the house in the same way. 
Let your light shine before others. Why? So that they can see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's your motivation. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life, here it is again, worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. A calling to live a life worthy of the gospel. You need to go back and read some of these scriptures this week. That's why the scripture is going to be lift, uh, left up for you, that list. Ephesians 5.8 For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. Acts chapter 17.28 For in him we live and move and have our being. Romans 13, verses 13 through 14. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. There's something powerful there. And the thing we don't have time to go into is you need to understand as Christians, this is not something you do. This is something you let the Holy Spirit of God do. You submit to God and allow Him to remove that bent towards sinning. So many Christians try so hard to live righteously when if they would just allow the Holy Spirit of God to do it for them, they wouldn't have the struggle. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Oh my word, there's like six slides here. So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly. Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. um, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways... You also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of its creator. Being renewed. Continual process. Okay? In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion. 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So there's your list. Now there's one other thing I want to read to you. God brought this to me, and it was amazing. It comes from a blog called The Gospel Writer. And he, he titled this particular entry on The Gospel Writer, Living for Jesus. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm living for Jesus? I know I have. That statement is in our worship songs, on t-shirts, bumper stickers, billboards, and just about everywhere Christians make art. It's a simple thing to say. But it is a truly powerful statement to live. I'm living for Jesus. The word for is a preposition. I'm sorry for the grammar lesson. And it can mean, one, to the benefit of. Two, on behalf of. Three, in the service of. Let me restate those. To the benefit of on behalf of, in the service of. Let's take a few grammatical liberties and reread I'm living for Jesus with these definitions. I'm living to the benefit of Jesus. I'm living so that Jesus receives the praise. I'm living so that Jesus and his kingdom receive the increase. I'm not living for my own glory or reward. I'm living so that Jesus receives all the glory. I'm living on behalf of Jesus. I'm living as Jesus' representative. I'm living to benefit and support Jesus and his interests. I'm living in the service of Jesus. I'm living to be used by Jesus. I'm living to perform work for Jesus. I'm living to help Jesus with anything he needs. That's an interesting one. I believe that most Christians want to be able to echo these statements and for them to be true about their lives. As a believer in Christ, I always want to be able to honestly and sincerely say that I am living for Jesus. There are many things in this world and in our lives that aggressively compete for first place in our hearts. Some of them are good things and others are from the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm writing this message to provoke us to either keep Jesus the center of our lives or to repent and make him the center of our lives. Nothing is more important than him. If there's anything in our lives that is competing with Jesus for the first place, we need to place it on the altar and once again crown Jesus Lord of our lives. Old time preachers would say, Jesus is either Lord or of all or he isn't Lord at all. 
Please keep in mind that we are constantly growing in Christ, at least we should be, and that none of us has been made perfect on this earth. As we live by faith, let us be like King David, the person after God's own heart, and like the Apostle Paul, who was constantly pursuing the Lord. Jesus has to be the center of all that we do. He cannot be a side dish that we add to the main course we've prepared for our life. It is so easy for us to get caught up in our stuff that we can shift our focus from living for Jesus to living for ourselves and then asking Jesus to help us accomplish our dreams and our goals. We can end up building our kingdom at the expense of his kingdom. We can end up with ourselves at the center of our lives instead of Jesus. Jesus had this to say, No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as these flowers. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. We can pursue an education with Jesus at the center of our lives. We can be excellent employees and business people with Jesus at the center of our lives. We can be devoted parents with Jesus at the center of our lives. We can be teachers, factory workers, salespeople, farmers, pastors, CEOs, or even government employees with Jesus Jesus at the center of our lives. What is our motivation? What is our attitude of our heart? What is our goal? What are we trying to build? Are we accurately representing Jesus in our lives? Do we live, speak, do, excuse me, do our lives speak the same message that our mouths do? Are we living for Jesus? Let's keep our heart on the altar. Let's keep our eyes on the prize. Let's keep Jesus at the center of everything that we do. And let's truly live for Jesus each and every day of our lives. And then he closes his blog with a quote from a person named Croft M. Pence that says, When Christ is the center of your focus... All else will come into proper perspective. I started out saying, if I were to die today, what would people say about me? What would my epitaph be? I took us through a pile of scriptures talking about how to live Worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Things to do, things not to do. What is our motivation? What is our goal? What is our inspiration? What is our aspiration? What do we want? How do we prevent? How do we 
all of these crazy things. And as the pastor of this church, who just accepted another four-year call, how do I motivate this congregation to live this way? Is it even my job to motivate you? Or is it simply my job to speak these words and let the Holy Spirit motivate you? All of this stuff just roiling around inside of me. And my, my point for us this morning is this. We started out our service with a reading of Isaiah 53, an acknowledgement and an understanding that thousands of years before it took place, God declared, this is my plan. I am going to make up for the transgressions and trespasses and hateful actions of every human that has ever lived by taking the punishment on for myself. I will suffer the pain. And as a result, even though you disdained him, he will be raised up to a place of honor and distinction. For every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That was what we said at the very beginning of our service. And then we began as we sang songs to proclaim our belief and our excitement about the fact that the gospel came true thousands of years later. Through the life of Jesus of Nazareth, the the only begotten Son of God, the God-man, who literally came on this earth, lived a life that was pleasing to God, was despised by humanity, and put to death, buried, and on the third day he rose again so that the scriptures could be fulfilled. He ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father until the time comes when the Father says, go and gather my people home. But what is he doing during that interim? It says in the word of God that he is praying for the children of God who are still on this earth. That's the truth that we carry. That's the light that we carry. The admonition from the scripture is, you are children of light, live like children of light. But I attended an event. I attended an event where it was apparent God was not present. And it made my heart sick. Good people living good lives, being nice to their neighbors and friendly and compassionate and loving. But no mention of Jesus. What does the gospel have to say about that? Kind of has to say that there is no hope. And that's a horrible, horrible thing. So if I'm looking at my life from this side of death and says, between now and the time that God calls me home, what do I need to do to make sure that when I'm on the other side of death, that my life speaks volumes and points people to God. If I am the nicest man that ever walked the face of the earth, if I am the kindest and most gentle human being that ever lived, if I give and give and give and have love for everybody and don't have Jesus Christ, it's all for nothing. 
And so, as we close our time, we're going to have a few moments of introspection, and then we're going to take communion. This is an act of faith. It's an act of worship, but it is also a declaration. I am a child of the living God. I have received Christ as my Savior. My transgressions, my sins are indeed covered by the blood of Christ. And I am forgiven. And I have a responsibility before God and this world to proclaim it, to let my light shine in whatever way God puts before me. However God asks me. And it has to be Jesus at the center. Period. No more pussyfooting around. No more being timid. No more being afraid. I need to walk every day in the truth of the gospel. Living my life in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I can't tell you how. That's between you and the Father. But as you read his word, as you spend time in prayer, as you journal, as you just walk around, just continue to be looking for ways that you can speak that truth into your community. It may be as simple as coming along someone at the laundromat and helping them to fold their clothes. You don't even have to say the words. You can be thinking them. I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm living this for Jesus. And may God somehow let these actions turn the hearts of this person next to me to God. You don't have to say it. You can pray it and let the Holy Spirit do the wooing. But you have to be intentional. You have to be. Because if not, the enemy has won. And the kingdom will not advance. That's our calling. And we're going to now take communion as a declaration of our purpose and our intent to live the way God is calling us. Before we take the communion, let's pray.